Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. That's right, DougOster.com, just moments away. But right now, that 10th caller at 412-922-1020 to begin today's broadcast wins a $25 gift certificate from Sorgles and a recipe for success. So we say congratulations to you, Mr. Oster. So fill us in on why something really good was cooking in the kitchen. Go ahead. Good morning, Rob. Yeah, yesterday was Recipe for Hope. It is a, a charity event that funds Hairpiece Charities, which Bonnie Diver runs, and it helps women with cancer. Uh, my friend uh, Kim and I have worked together for a long time at this charity, 14 years, I think. I think I missed one. She missed one. And I was so excited because what, what how it works is, you know, so-called celebrities. I was sitting next to Rick Seebeck, which was fun. And then Stoney Richards was right next to us. He won something. But, yeah, my garlic seafood chowder won grand prize. I was just thrilled. Uh, when I do these events, I, I, I want to make something that people – will draw people to the event. And, you know, you know me. It's always about garlic. And so, uh, actually, my wife made me uh, cut that garlic down a little bit this year just to be sure that it wasn't overpowering. And so I put the recipe up at DougOster.com, but it's very, very easy. I don't use recipes when I'm cooking. And so I just kind of, uh, you know, roasted some potatoes, was roasted some garlic, threw that into a pot with some stock, uh, had four big, you know, so this is for 225 people, so this is a big recipe. Had four giant pieces of uh, wild-caught salmon, and I had a garlic puree that I kind of painted on it before I cooked them. Threw that in. I got uh, 12 ears of good Evan City corn. I just cut that off and threw that in there. That that was a problem, though, because what I didn't realize was I wanted the best corn, but um, there was corn silk in the recipe. And so one of the chefs told me, yeah, I got a little bit of that, but I knew it was the real stuff. And 50 cloves of garlic. So uh, it was very exciting and for a great cause. Uh, you know, Heather Abraham won something. I think David Highfield won something. It was just a lot of fun. Mangino was there uh, serving pizza. Uh, it was just a great day. So uh, thanks to everybody who came out. Uh, yesterday, we, we talked a lot about this last week, so I'll just cover it quickly. Yesterday, the Remember Me Rose Garden opened out across from the Flight 93 Memorial, and, and I heard it was a big success. Uh, that's a pretty cool garden, you know, created to memorialize the, the crew and passengers of Flight 93. That's something as a gardener. If you're going out there, be sure that you see that just right on Route 30. 
Later on today, Mrs. Know-It-All is going to talk about themed gardens, and that's all I know about the topic, so I'm looking forward to seeing what she has to say about that. might give us some ideas, and I'm very, very excited because in the upcoming weeks, I have an exclusive interview with Chuck Lavelle from the Rolling Stones. He is the keyboardist and musical director of the band. We are working out the details now. Uh, The reason that I interview him is that he is a sustainable forester. There is a new documentary called The Tree Farmer out about him, uh, and he also has a a PBS show. Uh, So we'll talk all about that coming up. And next week, I am giving away bulbs. And I, you know, I've teamed up with this uh, place called flowerbulbs.com. They don't sell bulbs, but they just promote bulb planting. And if you've listened to this show for a while, you know that I'm really into bulb planting, and it's not as popular as it used to be. So this was the perfect website for me to to um, team up with because uh, planting bulbs, and I always say it this way, is not instant gratification, but the gratification comes in the spring. And so next week I'll give away 50 tulip bulbs. The week after that, 50 mixed daffodils. And then the week after that, 50 fritillarias, so something a little bit different. Uh, next week, remember, if you win those tulips, don't plant them out where the deer can get them. Uh, the daffodils you can plant anywhere. Uh, but I'm planting lots of different bulbs. I actually have boxes in the garage already of bulbs, and they're coming into the nurseries. And for me, you know, I, I grew up in Cleveland. Lakeview Cemetery has this thing called Daffodil Hill. I tell the story often. You know, I visited those graves as a kid, looked back, saw those daffodils. So I'm making my own Daffodil Hill in Pittsburgh here for the last 20 years on my property in memory of my grandparents who were buried at Lakeview Cemetery. Uh, but y- there's so many different types of bulbs to plant, and I'm telling you, the way to do it is get one of these bulb augers. It is a drill bit that you fit onto a power drill, either plug-in or a powerful battery drill. I use one from a company called Power Planter three inches wide by seven inches long, and it's just the way that I love to plant bulbs. Uh, With a short one like that, I can be on my knees with a bag of bulbs next to me and just I can put 100 bulbs in in, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes maybe, maybe even shorter. And it just makes bulb planting so much easier. Now, it doesn't work in every soil. You know, if you've got pure uh, slate, excuse me, uh, you know, bad roots, that sort of thing. But in most areas, you can work your way around those uh, obstacles and and get bulbs in. Bulbs are planted about three times as deep as the actual bulbs. So in the case of, you know, tulips and daffodils, that's significant. That's that's deep. But there's all these other bulbs, smaller ones, ones that I love, snowdrops, that, again, it's a little itty-bitty bulb, maybe a quarter inch tall, so it has to be, you know, three-quarters of an inch deep. That's easy. And uh, snowdrops, uh, you know, the deer don't eat them. They they could come up as, as early as um, January 15th, but it also could be February 15th or March 15th, depending on how the winter ends. But snowdrops, crocuses, uh, a thing called glory of snow, uh, just there's, there's so many different things out there. And I'm buying now at retail the the – the bulbs I really, really want, but me being the cheapskate, 
when we get to the other end of the season, we get to November when, when normal people don't know that you can still plant bulbs. You can still plant bulbs until the ground freezes solid. But that's when they go on sale, and that's when I swoop in. I'll, I announce it on the show. I'm like, hey, I'm warning you. <laughs> go to the nurseries. Get the bulbs. They are inexpensive because if you don't, I'm swooping in, and I'm getting everything left. And I, I love that part of it. I love that part at the end of the season. Basically, the nurseries just have a few things they could do with those bulbs. They could pitch them. They could pot them up and sell them the next spring as Easter flowers, or they can give them a good home, and they prefer to give them a good home. They can just get them out of there. They can make their money, and you can get a deal. Uh, One other thing real quick I want to talk about. I've been picking figs. I'm so excited. I have a, a story I wrote last year. Stephen Biggs is a fig expert from Toronto, Canada. And, man, if he can grow them in Toronto, we can grow them down here. And so I followed his advice, and I've been picking figs. You know, uh, I don't know how many years ago it's been, uh, maybe 15 years ago. wife and I went to Italy, and we went to see where her cousin had a uh, olive oil and fig orchard, and eating those figs while looking out at the uh, the sea was pretty amazing. So since then, I've been trying to, to grow figs, and I've had some success. But this this year has been the best uh, so far. I have one big, uh, what's called Chicago Hardy fig. Even though it says Hardy, it needs some protection in a giant pot, and I, I throw that into an unheated greenhouse in the winter. But the other big tree that I've got out there, I just lay that thing on its side and 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 this is later on in the season after it loses its flowers, just cover it with straw bales, and that one is filled with figs. And I'm, I'm very, I've been picking from the one with the container, and I think I'm going to be picking from that tree. And if, I, if those ones in the tree become ripe, I'm going to have hundreds of figs, which is, which is the goal. All right, Rob, we ready for a break? Yep, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back on the other side. If you have a question for Doug, I highly urge you to give us a call, 866-391-1020. DougOster.com, the organic gardener. Rob Pratt, Sunday continues in just a couple of moments on KDKA. Good morning. Okay, we got a wide open phone bank. If you have a question for Doug, now would be a great time to call 866-391-1020. But right now we're going to soak up the last weeks of summer. Let's dive in, Doug. Yeah, definitely. You know, I was out uh, the other day and just kind of standing out there at the end of the, end of the afternoon, starting the sun coming down and starting to hear all the bugs start and the birds and such and i was just thinking of that i was just thinking boy we you know better appreciate this <laughs> you know a lot of times we're running around in the garden and uh you kind of lose sight of all that and yes it is it is a, a, a good time to remember what a great season we had and to start planning for the next part of the season you know one thing uh, i'm doing these free classes on the computer uh, for farm to table western pennsylvania and we talk all about things like this, about uh, soaking in these last weeks of summer. But I'm, I'm actually going to, uh, Thursday at 4 o'clock, I'm going to start off with uh, a whole class about putting the garden to bed to get ready for getting these vegetables out. You know, in my garden, the tomatoes are just about finishing. And so we don't want to leave that stuff in the garden. And so if you go to DougOster.com, like I said, Thursdays at 4 o'clock, I'm doing a free virtual class. People from all over the country are signing up, and we have so much fun because we can talk back and forth uh, via the chat. And then I answer questions afterwards. Uh, one of the problems in my garden have been slugs. 
and uh, I've, I've planted a bunch of cabbage, some bunching onions, some arugula, some spinach. Uh, this is all stuff that can go in now, and most nurseries have this stuff, uh, bringing it in new. It used to be, it was, you know, always hard to find this sort of new plant material for the vegetable garden at the end of the season, but now most places are bringing it in, and because a lot of us are planting later, you know, cabbage planted now, it will, kale, cabbage, like I said, bunching onions, spinach, lettuce, all these things, uh, but man, the slugs, it, it was so wet, and, and <laughs> I look at those cabbage plants like two days later, and I'm like, ah, and so the organic control that I use for slugs uh, is called uh, sluggo, and it's it's iron based, and so it's not dangerous for anything else. It's just the slug eats it, gets overdosed on iron. If some does stay there, and it just dissolves into the soil, the plants love the that iron, and it adds to it. And so, whenever you're dealing with any pest or disease in in the garden, it's always best to to identify exactly what it is and try to target it specifically. And so we're not disrupting the whole balance of nature. I hope you had a great season because mine was pretty darn good. Uh, we had that one dry spell, but I prefer more rain than less. But that, that that rain and all the mulch that I use, that's where those slugs wait all day long. And then at night they feed. And that's what kind of confounds gardeners is that the slugs, you'll come out in the morning and be like, what happened? And it, that's the slugs uh, feeding at, at night. Uh, this is also the time for planting for enjoyment of flowers. And so pansies, this is pansy season, just starting. Pansies love cool weather. Uh, and you can plant pansies now, and I like to fill up containers with pansies. And you can plant pansies now, and they will go at least to Christmas and sometimes all the way through the winter, depending on what kind of winter we have. And that's always nice to have have color most of the winter uh, you know don't stop you know even if you just get a four pack of pansies put it in a container somewhere you'll just enjoy that color as we as as when frost finally comes and we lose all our annuals those pansies will just sit there and do their thing and the same is true with flowering kale i love planting flowering kale Right now, it doesn't have good color usually. You know, it has to get cold to get the good color, but you get it in place. And, again, you know, a lot of that flowering kale last year went all the way through the winter. I grow one when I can find it, and it's called red boar. It was originally introduced as a food crop, but now we use it as an ornamental. It grows like a tall tree, seriously, like four-foot-tall purple. And I will put yellow pansies underneath it. Both those plants love the cool weather, and uh, that red boar is tough as nails, and usually I get three-quarters of them to last all the way through the winter without any protection, and then the excitement starts because you've got this basically purple tree that's been there all winter, and then it's what we call a biennial, that the first year you get the leaves, second year you get the flowers, and it dies. And so it will start to put on yellow flowers trying to make its seeds, the following spring and man that looks great you've got purple foliage yellow flowers people say what is that thing you say, oh, i grew it all winter it's my my kale and so i did find some good red boar uh last year and i'm always looking for it because i think it's a great one and you heard the ad from chapman's about mums that is a, a good point in that ad 
picking mums early, getting them in the ground early, you have a better chance of getting them to overwinter. You have to be sure that it's actually a hardy mum, that, you know, that it's, it's bred to be a perennial. But I, I went and looked at a, a garden of a friend of mine uh, yesterday out in Punxsy. I spent the day in Punxsutawney yesterday before Recipe for Hope. I spoke out there at a garden club and went to see a friend's garden, and they had all sorts of mums that had overwintered, and they're blooming on their own. I actually did a, a video with, a fr- with the same friend uh, at, at a, a, a business, and I was looking at their uh, mums that had overwintered. So get them in early. When you're picking out mums, I always love to get them when the buds are really tight and not even blushing yet. You know, there'll be a nut. Look at the tag to see the color, or look at the uh, the plant next to it and look at the the color. But if you get them with with those buds closed up, they're going to last longer for you. And we get them in place, get them in good soil, get get that water on them, get them mulched, and you got a good shot of maybe overwintering. All right, Rob, how we doing on time? We're going to get to a break. Ah, yes, she is, DougOster.com, but right now it's my turn to say, hey, if you're the 10th caller, you want a $25 gift certificate from the good folks at Janoski's, where canning season is underway. Here is that number, 412-922-1020. want to remind you to join us for one great weekend. Register today for the 2021 Richard S. Caligiri City of Pittsburgh Great Race, presented by Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield, happening September 25th and 26th. Sponsored by the Allegheny Health Network and Dollar Bank. Details at kdkradio.com. So let's get to the phones, and we'll begin by saying hello to Nancy. She has a question for Doug, and she's calling today from Arnold, Pennsylvania. Good morning, Nancy. How are you? Welcome to KDK. Oh, thank you, and thank you for taking my call, and I really look forward uh, to this program every Sunday morning. Okay, my question is, um, in my garden, I have a... um, a large hydrangea plant. It's 11 years old. I have never trimmed it. It does very well. Every year I get hundreds of blooms on it. My question is, uh, what has happened to it? Now it's half over on the sidewalk. How can I trim it without damaging things for next spring? Well, you got to be careful. Uh, but if it's in the way... It's in the way. When when does this hydrangea bloom for you? Um, I would say early summer, and it blooms okay. all summer, purple and blue. Okay, Gorgeous. that's what I needed. To, that's what I needed to know. The best time to do this pruning, if it's possible, okay, only if it's possible, would be right after it's done blooming. Because here's what that kind of hydrangea does: it will bloom, and then when it's done blooming, pretty soon. It puts on buds for next year's flowers. Those buds stay on there all winter. Now you uh-huh. could trim it now, but you're going to re- anything you remove is going to be removing flowers on that side of the plant. But if you can't get through the sidewalk, you're going to have to trim it. So so that you're you're not going to hurt the plant by trimming now, but you're going to reduce the amount of flowers. And whenever you are trimming a plant like that, you need to do it carefully by by looking at the plant from afar. Then moving in, snipping, coming back, just to be sure that you're not really messing up the the shape of the the shrub. You know, we talk a lot about this. Uh, you know, one of the biggest things that I say when people are planting things: right plant for the right place. Be sure you know how big it's going to get. But everybody, including myself. <laughs> You know, you put a shrub in, you figure, okay, yeah, I know it's going to get this big, but we'll see, and we're doing what you're doing. We're, we're trimming it back. And so 
if you want to see the whole thing bloom again, just wait until next year, then cut it up. If you got to get through that sidewalk now, take your time. Right. Trim off, yeah. Trim off, <laughs> trim off what, what, what's there, and then you'll be okay. You know, the plant is old enough where it's going to be able to, to bounce back from this, but you never want to take more than one-third of the entire plant off when you're doing uh, pruning. Okay? Does that answer your question? That certainly does. Doug, you want to talk about Thank mums. Go ahead, please. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Know-it-all texted me when I was talking about mums, and she grows a series called Igloo uh, that she says is very hardy, and for the past three years she has it out in a windy location in the front by her uh, light pole, and for three years those Igloo moms have come back for her so watch for those out in the nurseries any other callers rob yes sir let's say hi to uh pete pete is up next always good to hear from pete hey pete how you doing good morning welcome to kdka good morning gentlemen and thanks for taking my call uh a couple two questions actually i know you're booked up but uh is it possible no i just picked yesterday two really nice puffball mushrooms you know the big white ones and the thing of it is and i'm i don't know now there were some poisoned hemlock growing in the area and i was wondering is it possible for the poisoned hemlock roots to transfer any bad things to those mushrooms Hmm, that's a question I don't know the answer to. We'll have to see if Mrs. Know-it-all can help us out there. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I have, uh, you know, I have some hemlock growing in my area too, uh, but it's not near anything. And I would be worried about it, to tell you the truth. I, I, I wouldn't want to take the chance. But you know what? Let's talk to Mrs. Know-it-all and see if she has any insight on that. What was your second question? Uh, yeah, I have these... Uh... A hops plant. Well, it's turned into a hops forest, and it's a Brent, uh, the varieties cascade. Last year they did really nice, nice cones and yada yada, but this year they were really prolific. All the cones, they were bright green. They were doing great in like a matter of two or three days. Every one of the cones turned brown. Yeah, there's a fungal issue uh, with hops and. Uh, I don't know what the name of it is. I have the same uh, hops growing in my garden, and I, I don't know what I'm going to do next year because I've lost an entire bed to my hops. It, it, it's like you said, it's a, a hops jungle. But uh, there's a fungal issue with them, and it's just due to the weather, you know, uh, oh, with the rain, okay. and, rain, and, rain and such. It would be something to watch next year, watch the weather, and, you, you know, uh, a good organic fungicide applied before we see signs of damage would be a good way to prevent that. You know, with your hops, when you had the good year, what did you use them for? Uh, just decorative for the most part. I just think oh, they're cool. cool. I don't make I don't make my own beer or anything, but uh, yeah, I have, and I make some tinctures out of the cones too. You know, I I think I'm gonna move. I think I'm gonna move mine, like to the back of the garden and use it as kind of a uh, privacy screen, I guess. Um, I'm trying to, yeah. Oh, it'd be perfect for that because those things, I believe they're essentially a weed. That, uh, yeah, they sure grow they, like uh, it. They sure grow like it. One oh, little mine tip is for, just one crazy. One little tip for hops. What's 
for beer for beer drinkers out there, you can just drop those yeah. fresh hops into a beer, and it just gives you that hoppy flavor, citrusy. It's wonderful. Uh, hang in there and listen to the show. We'll talk to Mrs. Know It All what she thinks about the the hemlock somewhere around a puffball mushroom. Thanks for your call. Let's take one more before the break. Got about two minutes. Here's Eleanor in Wexford on KDKA. Hey, Eleanor. Hey, good morning. Uh, I have a question about a black gum tree. In 2020, I got a gift, a black gum tree. It was about three feet tall. I planted it, and it did well during the year. It got leaves on it, and it turned kind of reddish. But this spring, it was dead, and I wanted to know what I did wrong. I did water it. I followed directions, so what could have happened to it? That could be many, many things, and whenever this happens, I always say something happened to that tree before I got it. And so that can be a possibility. Uh, You know, without seeing the tree, it's hard to tell exactly what happened. Uh, You know, it did travel through the mail. Yeah, to me. So I don't know if something happened when it was traveling over here. You know, black gums are pretty tough. And I, I, if I was you, I would just give it another shot this fall, get another black gum tree. If it was me, I would want to find one at a local nursery uh, so I could see it first. And uh, because once they're in place, once they get established, like I said, they're pretty, they're pretty tough and they will do their thing. But anything could have happened, and you shouldn't feel bad about it, and you shouldn't really think that you did anything wrong. Uh, yeah, I was thinking thing. I watered it, and I was trying right. to after it. Part of gardening, and this is the this is the hardest part of gardening, is that sometimes plants die. You know, like I yeah. said, something might have happened before it got to you. It might have got shocked when it was planted. It, you know, it could have been something you did. You might have been planted too deep, or, but it could have been a weather issue. It could have been a pest issue. If you if you have your heart set on a black gum, yes, I might try another. that again then. And I had Say another again. question about oh, the, the uh, auger. Now, what kind of auger was it? A bulb auger? And what did you say? Something about three by five or something? Yeah, the size of the bulb auger I like. It's from a company called Power Planter, and uh, it's three inches wide by seven inches long. That's the size that I like. You know, other people like longer ones, but that's the one I like to work where I can work on my knees with the bulbs next to me. All right, we're going to get a break in here. Yes, and back with them once again. Go ahead, Doug. It's Mrs. Know-it-all. That's horticulturist Denise Schreiber. And Denise, is there anything about having a puffball mushroom near that hemlock that is going to be dangerous? Um, No, but a puffballs really aren't edible either if it's a true puffball um if he's not uh very familiar with harvesting uh mushrooms wild mushrooms you know he should either get somebody that is familiar with it or you know there's several books that are very accurate on the descriptions with photographs now and he said you know he called it poison hemlock but I'm thinking, you know, that, you know, they just reseed. However, if it's the hemlock tree, they are not poisonous because he said if the roots were affected. So I was a little conflicted on that. Yeah, is it the hemlock tree? Is it the actual poison hemlock? And I always tell people, when you're talking mushrooms and foraging, you've got to have an expert to tell you whether it's edible or not. So let's talk about themed gardens. I've been excited to hear about this. So, you know, 
we're, you know, coming to the end of this season, and, you know, while we can do the fall crops, we're starting to think about, mm, what can we do next year? And so a lot of people like to do a themed garden. One of the most famous ones is Sissinghurst in England, and it has a white garden, or people will refer to it as a moon garden. So they use uh, all kinds of white flowers and shrubs that bloom white, like hydrangeas, you know, uh, the sweet autumn clematis. So you can do that, but you can also do other ones. There's um, a cat garden. And, you know, and me being a cat lover, but there's a plant called Pussy Toes. It's Antenaria that you can buy. It's a perennial. And, you know, you could do catnip. You could do Pussy Willows. You could do all sorts of fun things. A lot of the salvias, uh, there's one called uh, uh, Cat's Pajamas. So you can, you know, find them in nurseries and plant them. You know, we're coming up on October, and that is Breast Cancer Month, and you could do a pink garden. You know, you could do it in memory of someone, or if you have a family member that's fighting it, or you just want to remember those who have, you know, won the fight against breast cancer. But you can do all sorts of things. You could just do a, um, what do you call it, a habitat garden you know and you don't have to convert your entire gardens into this if you just want to do a little area you could do that you could do a fragrance garden uh i'm real big on growing plants with fragrance so you know you can do lavender you could do the sweet autumn clematis if you like you know there's all sorts of things you know a sensory garden for those who maybe have problems with eyesight you can have lambs ear in them you can have plants that are scented. Again, lavender fits that bill. You can put herbs in there. So it, it's a kind of a fun thing to do. And like I said, you don't have to relegate your entire garden to it. You might just want to do a small area where you can enjoy it and have fun. And if you don't like it, take it out and put something else in next year. All right, Mrs. No, that was good stuff. I want to see your cat garden, though. I think that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thanks again. So uh, be sure to go to DougOster.com, uh, check out what i got going on there. I'd love for you to see my recipe for the uh, – in fact, I just got a comment about that recipe for the garlic salmon chowder. Uh, it is, it's gluten-free and easy to make. I've got uh, my new round of, of free virtual organic gardening classes every Thursday at 4 p.m. Uh, very easy to do on the computer. And how are we doing on time, Rob? It is that time. All right. Thanks, everybody. Remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow and every garden you grow. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.